Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. If I told you that in 2024, orchardists will be hiring robots to pick their fruit, you'd probably suggest to me that I've been at the pub too long. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and no, I haven't just come out of a bar. I have, though, found out about someone who's working feverishly on a farm near Shepparton to make this a reality. A lot of future careers in agriculture are going to have a strong technology focus. Hunter J, CEO of Right Robotics, is living proof of this. And he joins us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Hunter, thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hunter, I was reading on your website that horticulture has been left behind by technological innovation. Your business aims to fix that. And it involves Clive and also Eve. But I'm a bit confused here because neither of these are people. Uh, yeah, so those are two two iterations of our, uh, uh, our robots that are trying to automate fruit harvesting for apples, stone fruit and uh, oranges as well we're trying with. Historically, it's been very, very difficult to, especially in horticulture, automate or mechanise anything. So we're trying to do the jump all the way from one at a time picking fruit with people's hands to uh, having a fully autonomous solution all in one massive jump. It's a big, big change. Hunter, that is an absolutely massive change. Let's just take one step back before we find out a little bit more about the tech. You've come to the horticulture sector to solve a problem, and the, the problem might be in, in terms of access to labour and getting crops off quickly, but you're not from a horticultural background, are you? Uh, no, my background's in uh, software engineering. <laughs> right. So how did you get to this point working in the horticultural sector? Essentially, we're looking at what things are going to be big in the future, essentially. What, what are the things that are possible now but haven't been done yet? And I was especially looking within software and, and AI, which is uh, where I was specialised. There's a lot of great work being done on AI within the, the software space. There's everything being done on phones and on uh, payment systems and uh, all sorts of stuff there, uh, and even in VR. But there hasn't been a lot of it applied to field robotics yet. There's been even great stuff with warehouse robotics and self-driving, and which is basically field robotics. But in the past, it wasn't possible to put a machine out in the field and have it be able to navigate around by itself or recognize what's in front of it and say, you know, this is a, a, an apple and it's this ripe or it's this distance away and all of these things. It wasn't possible to do that in a reliable enough way, you know, 10 years ago, the technology wasn't there. But for the last five years or so, it's been plausible. So when we started the Ramp Robotics in 2019, we were sort of looking at, okay, this is possible now. There's currently no nobody really doing it. There's a few startups and a few university projects, but there's no big company that's bringing this field robotics to agriculture, especially horticulture, with the trees and more delicate crops and more difficult to navigate situations. So I thought, okay, there's a massive opportunity here, which uh, the technology has now enabled that wasn't possible in the past. It is a massive opportunity, and I'm genuinely surprised there aren't some big players in the field already charging down this path. It's a great thing for an Australian startup to be charging this lead, I would say. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we feel like uh, Australia is actually a really great place to start a company like this or try to solve this problem. It was actually one of the factors we we're considering when we're like, okay, we, we want to do something in field robotics that solves a problem and actually is beneficial to the world. And we're already in Australia. So 
what are the things that make sense to do in Australia and doing fruit picking here, automating fruit picking here. I mean, we've got the highest cost for the fruit that's being picked. Uh, there's a massive focus on the quality of the fruit that, that's picked. We're in the Southern Hemisphere, so a lot of the fruit that we export is exported. It's exported to, to countries where, to the, where the seasons don't align with ours. So there's still a lot of demand for Australian fruit, even though it has such high costs at the moment. And there's big shortages of people going and picking the fruit. There's no existing system which is working really well. There's problems with the existing system uh, for fruit picking. So if you're looking for uh, a problem to apply the technology to, to solve it, in Australia there's a huge demand and a lot of current risk and, and a lot of things to be gained by doing that in Australia. We intend to expand everywhere eventually, but Australia is actually a really great place to, to start something like this, where we can start at a smaller scale with a really enthusiastic and uh, technically aligned growers. Hunter, you detailed a little bit earlier a list of problems to deal with, ranging from navigating branches to working out whether the fruit's even right to pick to actually even grabbing the fruit. Do you have a typical day or is there just one problem after another that you're constantly solving? Oh, I mean, I actually really enjoy the work I do because it varies so much. Like this morning, I was working on designing the new metal for the our fifth version of the, the robot and designing the frame for that. This afternoon, I'll be working on the mechanism that takes the fruit from the arm and puts it into the bin without damage. And we need to get it running a little bit faster than it's currently running on the on the robot. It's actually really, really great to do. We work, we've got four people working for the company at the moment. All of them have some degree of technical experience and they all have projects that they're working on. And basically they're like, okay, solve this problem. We chat to each other each day in the morning and then they go and uh, have ownership of whatever problem they're, they're working on and get to basically solve it, bring it back to the group and say, hey, here's what we're going to do for the bin filler or for the end effector or for the, the new version of the arm or for the driving system. It's really, really fun to be in this development stage. In researching this, I was seeing that you were focused heavily on this being a modular solution. What do you mean by that? We want to make it as easy as possible to upgrade and change the robots, both as we develop them and after they're, they're in the field. Because it's such a new technology, and it's not a new technology that's being applied, like one piece of new technology that's going on something existing, it's building from the ground up a whole, a whole new machine, which has a dozen different functions and a dozen different uh, components. We're expecting in the short term that, okay, we're not going to get this all right the first time. We need to be able to take stuff out and replace it or do it in a different way without having to redo the rest of the system. So that's a big reason for making it modular now. Uh, sorry, I'm on the farm. There's tractors and things going past at the moment. Sorry about that. Uh, no, you're certainly walking the talk, and that's a good thing to see, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, and then in the in the long term, being modular is super important to be able to get these robots to do more than just pick the fruit. So we're, we're focused on apples and stone fruit and oranges at the moment, just getting them off the tree into the bin and doing so without damaging them or without damaging the tree. But in the future, we want to be able to take those bins all the way out of the row, put them where the farmer wants them, where they need to go. We want to be able to uh, spray or thin the flowers or thin the fruitlets on the trees. We want to be able to prune or gather data about different parts of the orchard. You know, there's a lot of other things we eventually want this machine to do. So it's very important that we're able to change the machine without too much difficulty. 
they are a number of very different tasks. So what does the machine look like? In my mind's going crazy in terms of like, is it, is it like many arms just going frantically everywhere or is it something a little bit simpler than that? Well, we've tried to make it as simple as possible. The design for the machine's changing quite a bit as we, uh, as we move towards commercialization. Eve and Clive, our earlier machines, are sort of like a, a rail, you know, there's just a, a chain that moves an arm up and down and tilts it forward and back and then a second rail that brings it in and out of the tree. So trying to be as simple as simple as possible there. For our next version of the of the machine, we've switched to having four arms at different heights. Uh, so we don't need to move the arms up and down so much. And then each of those arms is on a pivot so they can access different parts of the tree that way. So the new one looks kind of like a triangle with the arms at different heights leading up to the, uh, to the bin at the end of the triangle. Because it's so early, we're, we're still playing around with uh, big shifts like this. What do you see some of the future opportunities in horticulture for technology beyond what you're doing? Well, I think we'll probably move a lot more to having both robots, but also the decisions being made, either having a lot more data informing the growers when they make those decisions, or even having the the recommendations from the computer systems getting better and better. Like a lot of the way it works now is a grower will go out and they'll do some measurements themselves on a very small fraction of their orchard or each block. And then they'll decide based off their experience and based off this very small amount of data what the best thing to do is. And they're pretty good at it. But as we bring robots and other sensors and things that lots of companies are working on into these orchards, we'll be able to basically have year-round data of every part of the orchard. You know, we'll be able to say at this location, the trees, the leaves are wilting a little bit. Maybe they don't have enough water. In this location, you had 10% more fruit than this other location. Maybe there's something funky going on with light there. Or maybe last year, you you grew too much fruit in this location, so it's going down the next year because they sort of have a biannual thing where they go up and down. There's a lot of complexity right now that once we have the data coming in, we'll be able to use these deep learning algorithms to basically recommend what growers should do for different parts of the orchard. So you should see significant efficiency gains in the the way orchards are managed just because there's so much more information there. And that should be able to happen without significantly more work to the growers or to the uh, uh, workers going out and doing things on the orchard. It should make it both more efficient work-wise as well as uh, crop-wise. Hunter, what you're describing there is not just an evolution, it's quite a revolution in terms of data and job opportunities for the coming generation in the sector. What have you enjoyed about working with this sector? I really I really enjoy being out in the in the country for starters. I live here on one of the farms and we build the machines here. People are lovely in the country. It's really great to be able to just walk outside and see rows or acres of crops and go out and look and say, okay, this is what we can do here. You know, it actually makes it feel very, very real. When we started, we were in Sydney and sort of locked in like little apartments there and trying to just imagine all of the stuff as we're doing the first designs. And it's so much better to actually be here and be able to actually see what's going on and learn how, how things are working than it is to sort of be locked in a, an apartment in the city. The way we work now with our people is we actually, they can work from anywhere and then we bring them on trial trips here. So they spend two weeks here in Shepparton for every six weeks they work remotely, which seems to be a good balance for, for most people. What sort of reaction are you getting from local farming communities when you say, well, yeah, actually we're out here trying to solve this problem? People are, people are really wonderful. The growers are all pretty enthusiastic. A lot of them are sceptical because, I mean, we're talking about trying to get robots to pick their crops, which sounds pretty uh, sci-fi. And we're definitely optimistic about timelines. We've been a little bit slower than we're hoping in some ways. 
I mean, everyone's really nice and really enthusiastic about it. We chat with all the growers here and they tell us about the problems. They say, hey, what about this? Can you do that? And so on. Even the, the non-grower people have been really wonderful. Like I live in the huts on the farm with all of the fruit pickers and they, they're pretty nice, pretty happy with everything. Like they don't mind the work that I'm doing here, trying to automate the picking, which is good. But they seem to talk. Everyone talks to each other. Like I went to a high school the other day because one of the teachers heard about us and invited me in to talk to the kids. And I was like, yeah, why not? You know, you get those nice uh, country vibes where everyone seems to talk to each other. Everyone sort of knows about us. I know them. And yeah, it's, it's really pleasant. The advantage of living in a, in a community where people do have those deeper connections, I guess, is what you're describing there, Hunter. You were talking there about timelines. When do you envisage that this is going to be a platform that growers can purchase? We're aiming for this year to have a machine, just one, one machine that's able to pick fruit off the tree, put it in a bin, do a full bin of fruit and get our first uh, you know, $50 of revenue for picking that bin. That should happen this year. Next year, we're expecting to scale it up to probably on the order of about a dozen, maybe two dozen machines. And then moving forward for probably making somewhere between 50 or 100 per year after that. So that's late 2023, 2024 when it is when it will become like properly available to most growers. The thing is, we're not going to be selling the machines to growers. We're going to be operating like a service. So the same way they currently pay pickers the 40 or $50 per bin of fruit, they'll be able to basically contract us to do that and we'll come with the machines and pick the fruit for them. So even if there's only 20 machines running around, we can still service most growers for some portion of their orchard. That's an interesting approach. And the machines obviously will be able to go 24 hours a day. How are they powered? And the machines are fully electric, but right now they're powered using a diesel generator. We are looking to switch to batteries at some point, which is part of the reason why everything is just plugged into a diesel generator rather than running mechanically off the engine. That'll be probably in the next year or two, we'll switch to a battery-powered system rather than a, a generator-powered one. Doesn't sound like a problem that you're not going to be able to uh, sort out, Hunter, judging by what you're doing so far. Lastly, Hunter, what would you say to other people who are interested in innovation and technology in, in the horticultural industry? There's a lot of stuff to be done here. There's a big, open uh, opportunity for technology to be applied in, in agriculture in general. And there's a lot of opportunities both within startups that are, that are growing in the space or even starting new projects to do it because there's so many things right now and uh, perhaps not enough talent working on all of the different projects that could be done that it's uh, probably a pretty good time to, to get into it. That's definitely why I switched to working in, in agriculture rather than working on direct, uh, just pure software stuff. Also, we'll be hiring soon. So if you're an engineer or interested in robotics, definitely reach out to us. It sounds like a world of opportunity and really exciting space to be working in. Hunter J, CEO of Ripe Robotics, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Awesome. Thanks for the chat. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback. So please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.